0: Okay, folks, thanks for joining us again. I'm your host, Cleveland, and thanks for being with us today here on Police Pod Talk. We are thrilled to have with us a guest by the name of Mike Joyner. He is a retired Fort Wayne police officer. He is the uh, PIO, which is the public information officer for the Fort Wayne Police Department. And uh, if you're in uh, around the area of Fort Wayne, you've probably seen him on TV a lot. Whenever something was going on, he's the one to explain what was happening. He was also the uh, liaison for our sister city uh in China he'll explain a little bit more about that and uh <clears throat> rumor headed he was like the right hand man for the uh, mayor of Fort Wayne <laughs> we don't know how that happened but he'll explain that too <laughs> and if you've ever gone to a mad ant semi pro basketball game i believe he was like the number one fan there's a there's a funny story about that i'm sure he'll share with us but he's going to talk today about his career some of the highs and lows that maybe he went through, and also what led him into retirement and what he's doing now with his free time. So, hey, uh, Mike, you can say hey to the listeners out there. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me, Cleveland. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm quite surprised that you would have invited me to be here to – uh, to have this interview, but nonetheless,
0: I'm, I'm thrilled. Well, I had to chase you down. I mean, when I heard you left uh, the police department, I couldn't find you. The retirement's been good to me. That's oh, all I'm going to say. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that for now. But uh, again, Mike, we're, we're happy to have you here. And uh, I'm just going to kind of give it to you and uh, kind of tell us when you got on the department, uh, some of the different uh, areas you went through, and uh, how did you end up becoming what we know known as a right-hand man to the mayor?
1: You know, can I start back to... Mike Joyner and, and my relationship to Fort Wayne. and you, just you kind go, of evolve into this? Yeah, you go right I'm originally in. from Fort Wayne. Uh, I went to Southside High School. I was an athlete. Uh, I got a scholarship to uh, run track at Ball State. Did that. Came back. Uh, stayed in Fort Wayne for a number of years. Had the opportunity to meet my now wife, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 1984, uh, through her company, she was transferred out to arlington virginia and i thought that a great opportunity to leave for oil and to pursue a professional career in a totally different environment i right, followed her right. out there ended up getting uh, involved in corporate management for an engineering company she did quite well uh, we spent about nine years in the dc area uh, i got married started a family mm-hmm. during that whole time i always thought that i wanted to be involved in law enforcement so through long conversations with Cindy, she agreed that you know what you live once we've got a child uh, it's important for them to know the grandparents who were back in this area still ah okay so fort wayne was going through uh, the hiring process i'm 36 years old and we moved back and to my surprise i found mm-hmm. out when i applied that 36 was too old oh really 35 was the ceiling Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember. Well, and it still is. Right. So, uh, after applying and hearing that information, two weeks later, I get this phone call, and I think it was from Rick Stoner. I
0: remember from Rick. Yeah.
1: Who uh, told me, "Hey, Mike, uh, the federal government's being sued. Uh, They use 35 as a maximum age, but because of the lawsuit in progress, they've relaxed that. So there's this window of opportunity. You can follow through with the process, and if you're invited into the academy," and make it before they reestablish 35 (laughs) as being the maximum age, you're welcome to join us. Wow. So made it through the process, got through the academy. A couple, three months right after that, they reestablished 35 as being the maximum age. Wow. So uniquely, I have the uh, uh, opportunity to be the oldest recruit. Really? Uh, I did not know uh, that. So it was interesting just in the start of my career, (laughs) to say the least. Um, uniform officer for a number of years, patrolled. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an opportunity to be part of a part time public information officer group. And when I say group, there were two of us. I accepted it and on a part time basis, so working outside of regular business hours, I was on call okay. and did that. Eventually, that led to a full time uh, assignment. I was given those duties full time.
0: Now I'm gonna I'm gonna slow you down there because okay. some of our listeners are probably going to be saying well, what is this PIO or public information officer? What did they do?
1: Well, you you had kind of pointed in the direction earlier in your intro. If there's a significant event, a homicide, a fatality, a bank robbery, something that's going to capture the attention of the local media, mm-hmm. I was there to convey any information that they were looking to be able to uh, disseminate to their li- listening audience or their uh, sub- subscribers to their newspapers. Okay. I gave them the information. Uh, that's what I did. I also acted as a public relations uh, liaison for the department in that I would speak publicly at groups that invited me into to speak to them to understand better what uh, the police department does for the community. I'm with you. All right. And I did a lot of that. Um, You also made mention in your intro about being involved in sister cities. Mm -hmm. Well, that public relations aspect led to an opportunity for me to be involved in that. Specifically, um, then Chief of Police, Rusty York, came to me and said, Hey, look, uh, the city's got this sister city relationship going Mm -hmm. on and i think there's an opportunity for the police department to be involved right would you be interested in handling that? i said yes i'll look into it found out who my counterpart was in gera <laughs> germany and it was uh uh captain cop that's all i knew Was captain cop
0: okay was that the real name or they were just making it no
1: this is true <laughs> okay uh and so i sent captain cop <laughs> an email and it was headed dear sir Yada, yada. I am Mike -hmm. Joyner, and we're looking to establish a relationship. Right, right. So I get this email back probably a week or two later. It says, this is uh, Captain Steffi. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So here again. You 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 assumed. (laughs) yes. And so long story short, we were able to to set up communications. Mm -hmm. Uh, A short period of time later, they had two officers that were assisting a motorist who had a flat tire on the Autobahn. While they were assisting this motorist, a tractor-trailer truck was passing by. The driver fell asleep, drifted over into the lane, Mm. and killed all three, two officers and a motorist. I went to the chief, and I said, this is an opportunity here for us to present the families with the Medal of Honors, as we would do posthumously for our officers. Right, right. And he agreed. The mayor agreed. And so I was sent over, and we arranged for the families to meet in their chief's office, Mm -hmm. and I presented the family their medals of honor as we would for our fallen officers, and it cemented the deal. They couldn't believe it. Hmm. And so from that point, it has grown to where we now exchange officers. They have sent officers over here for as much as three months at a time. I didn't know that. We have sent officers over there for as much as two weeks. Right, And to work closely with each department. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun. So now, what about the language barrier? They speak English better than you and I. Get out of here. No. I didn't know that. It's part of the requirement in their uh, educational process. Um, and it's not been a barrier. Really? Yeah. But I can't say, mein Deutsch ist nicht gut. Okay, whatever
0: the listeners got out of that. Well, there's probably some listening who understood that.
1: And if you ask me to say any anymore, I, I can't, Just stop. But, yeah. <laughs> so what other countries are we sister cities uh, with? We have a, a sister city in uh, China, and we have one in Poland. And uh, it seems to me there's a fourth, and right now I just can't uh, seem to recall where that is. But I know there's four sister cities. Each one is very active, mm-hmm. and we do exchange uh, delegations. I might add, too, if I can. You you go right ahead. Because of the success of our uh, exchange program with Garrett, Germany, the United Nations took note of that. And I was contacted, and they actually had me become a keynote speaker on behalf of the United Nations, representing the United States, and Lima, Peru. And they sent me down for three or four days uh, to speak at this um, conference mm-hmm. represented by not only elected officials but designees from each country in south america to hear about the success of our program
0: well that's something
1: that was an honor i gotta tell you wow. that's something i wear on my chest probably huh so now if you're not here who's doing it now um uh, sophia rosales oh that's right came i came through remember. our class that's right you were our instructor. Yeah. Uh, was uh, the person identified as replacing me?
0: Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. So, if, if, is that something that you really miss doing? Would you rather have, like been able to do that full time, or is that
1: you know what? Um, you mean if I was still in the police department? If
0: you're still in the police department, if that's all you had to do, would that be something you would have just?
1: I I enjoyed it, and I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't necessarily full time. It 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 allowed me to also go out onto the street and answer calls for service. So I did both. And that's why I enjoyed it because I could leave the office right. and continue to answer calls for service mm-hmm. and work with the, the men and women on the, on the streets. Right. right. And it just kept it real. I'll be darn.
0: Well, that seemed like that was a, uh, well, it has a whole lot of frequent flyer miles too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It had its benefits. Okay. No, oh, no, okay.
0: <laughs> so, so, Really, you went from being a patrolman right into the the public information officer?
1: Came on to Part 94. I think mm-hmm. I started part-time in 98. Oh, part-time with the PIO. PIO
0: stuff. Okay, I got you. Now, people jokingly say you're like um, the, the, the mayor's right-hand man. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, somebody told me, when I told them I was going to be talking to you, they said, hey, you got to tease him about this. Something about a bodyguard or something.
1: Well, <laughs> Okay, so 9-11 took place, and there was a strong recommendation that went out from the U.S. government, uh, Homeland Security, that mayors should look seriously at forming a security detail for their own safety because they would be targets, potential targets, by our adversaries. And so, uh, again, through the chief, that recommendation in the mayor's office, they thought they'd better act on this. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it made sense to them in my role that I would be that individual. Right. So I did that. I actually continued to be the PIO, but I also served as the mayor's security, uh, stationed in his office, but had dual responsibilities. Right.
0: Okay. So kind of when he went out, you went out. Correct. Okay. Because I, I think there are certain events he was at we would always see you in the back. Uh, sometimes I would be a wallflower yeah events yeah. where you would know i was there oh yeah you did it well thank you <laughs> <laughs> now i'm going to go back a little bit here as a pio uh and like i said you were going out on these different uh calls we would always see you on the news when something bad was going on i got i've got two questions that came up when people heard i was going to talk to you about this one i, w- I want to know was that a difficult thing to do where you were always around violence, uh, sadness, uh, tragedies? I mean,
1: uh, is that about about like a, how it was? It's It was initially, but you know, over time, mm-hmm. you tend to develop a scab or a scar, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't hurt as much. Right. Um, you look through it, and you know you have a job to perform, and you focus on the job at hand, and you're able to work through that. I will tell you one aspect of Uh, the job of public information officer that to this day still affects me. Mm -hmm. If you look at the policies within the Fort Wayne Police Department, my job was to make the death notification. Oh, okay. And it became something that they turned to me to do quite often. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you something, that's a a task that no one gets used to. I'm sure you've done it in your time. And it always was at 2.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And it was always knocking on the door of the sleeping family Mm -hmm. to bring nothing but horror into their life at that moment. And as much as I did it, boy, I'll tell you what, it got hard. Mm -hmm. And I would cry with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And to this day, I think back, if there was ever one thing that has affected me the most, it was having to follow through with that responsibility. I've been to a number of horrific sites, didn't impact me but knocking on the door bringing that type of message right. to a family right when they least expect it right has stuck with me that's tough hmm. so
0: but with saying that what have you done who have you worked with who do you talk to to get over this something like that
1: um you know what i just work through this myself i do um it's and, and then at that moment with the family mm-hmm. uh going through that process with them talking to them trying to get them to understand what has taken place, to, to put them in the proper frame of mind, to know that tomorrow will bring another day, mm-hmm. another aspect of this. I, I think a lot of it was vented through that process, that okay. initial contact. So you weren't carrying it home with you? Uh, I, no, no, but I just I reflect back. Mm-hmm. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things I reflect back to right. more times than anything else. And when I speak to kids, I tend to bring that out because I try to impact them As to what the effect is of violence Mm -hmm. and how they can avoid it and it impacts them greatly I have I have been to many schools many audiences where they have left in tears listen to me as Mm -hmm. well myself oh yeah so it's a good story to share and it impacts people in a favorable way right right
0: now the other the other question and, and thank you for sharing that The other question was asked, do you write your script? Are you given your script? you told what to say? Because when you're reporting, a thing that keeps coming up, people keep asking me, they say, why is it that the media, and I don't know if I've ever heard you do this, will make sure you know if the officer was black or white who, no, no, I take that back, just black if they did a shooting, or or, I'm sorry, white if they did the shooting of a black
1: uh, individual. Well, to them, it's newsworthy. Uh, because it gets, they call it more hits, people tune in to their station mm-hmm. or, or read their paper, whatever. I, it was never part of my script.
0: So you were never told you had to report it this way? No. You wrote I, your own script?
1: I was given free latitude as to what information I put out. The only thing I did was prior to making a statement, I would run it by command. To let okay. them know I, what I was going to say. Okay. And rarely did we run into a situation where they said, well, no, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never went there initially. I never did because really it didn't matter. Right. And it shouldn't matter. Uh, eventually, when we released, let's say, the officer that was involved involved in a police action or officer involved shooting, mm-hmm. it came out at that time because we would release a, a photograph of that officer okay. as well. But it was never part of my my uh, content
0: because that's been a question that's come up several times on a couple of our podcasts and i mean i know you're not on the news reporting the news but you report the incident and we see that we're just wondering why is that an issue why why does it always be the thing and you kind of said it's, it, it gets hits or sales papers yeah
1: i mean it does it's it's something that um you know i mean think about this for a second white officer shoots black citizen okay that gains national attention because they bring color into it, race into it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that this tragic incident took place mm-hmm. and these are the circumstances surrounding how it. how could it have been avoided would make a greater story to me than who was involved, to be quite honest with you. Okay, yeah, that I was asked to you know run that by well, you, and, right, you, you know. know, yeah, but that's I mean, you know what, and I'm not knocking to me, they have a job to do mm-hmm. and they're gonna do whatever they, they're required to do got you so I'm
0: with you Um, the question uh, I mean you've been involved in it from way back when uh, and you've been involved in seeing a lot of crime do you see uh, with the different types of crime you've seen is it going up going down is Fort Wayne getting better worse what are you seeing
1: I'm seeing um, to my dismay younger actors involved I'm seeing it uh, become uh, issues with young teenagers that's what I'm seeing, which mm-hmm. really concerns me, which in my <clears throat> time on the department, when I go into the homes of these individuals, I see an issue at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's almost a, a situation where they're allowed to act out in a very negative way without consequences at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and so the problem, not necessarily is the kids, but the fact that they're not being challenged and disciplined appropriately at home at an early age. To, I think, instill uh, morals, scruples, right. put value to life and individuals. Respect themselves, and they'll respect others. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so, with that coming up, are you seeing a lack of respect towards police officers? Um, I, I I don't see a a spike in that. I I really don't. I think um, there's been an effort, here locally in particular, Citizens United, I think the mayor's office has done a wonderful outreach program. Mm -hmm. I don't see that as as, as spiking. I really don't. I think there's opportunities where now we have a better lines of communications, Mm -hmm. whether as a department to the community or whether as the officer uh, on the street. the COPS program, Community Oriented Policing, has allowed us to open up communications and I think to help people understand better the roles of law enforcement. And not only that, but it gives the officers an opportunity to listen to the concerns of the citizens from their viewpoint mm-hmm. in dealing with law enforcement. So the the COPS program still is up and running? It's still up and running. Um, I don't know if it's as effective as it was initially, mm-hmm. but it's still there and it, it does still serve a greater good for the community. Okay. Yeah. So were you ever involved in that? Oh I loved it. I'm a <laughs> I'm a firm believer in that program. Huh. I when didn't we know that. can when we can interact on a daily basis mm-hmm. with the uh, the citizens, uh, the community, then we are doing something good. And I'll tell you why. Because their concern is quality of life issues. Mm-hmm. If it's the neighbor playing loud music at night, the barking right. dog, whatever, right. they have quality of life issues. And if we, on a one-to-one basis, can listen to them and then address that issue with right. all the resources that we have right. and it corrects it, mm-hmm. man, we're golden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, They're now willing to work with us. If they see something, they're going to say something right? because right. we listen to them and we corrected an issue that impacted quality of life issues. It's a great program. I support it and would make a strong recommendation that every department in the country Mm adopted.
0: Yeah, I remember when it first came out years ago, I mean, well, the officers were fighting it because they didn't want to do the little thing. It was new. They they didn't want to be bothered with all that. Um, The question always came up with where your position was at. They said, why were you never, or did you ever think about running for being a chief?
1: Uh, Well, that goes back to... Washington DC area when I was in corporate management Um, And I don't boast this, but this is this is the truth Um, I was given the responsibility of a territory that went from Washington DC South to Florida. I had 400 employees that were my direct responsibility several offices Dotted in that southeast region. It took a lot of responsibility. It took a lot of my time and I got my fill of management based upon that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just, you know, I always wanted to do it, but once I got there, it was like, how eh, well, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so, yes, I was told, hey, you know what? You've got great presence. Uh, you'd make a good candidate for chief. Why don't mm-hmm. you go get your stripes mm-hmm. and see where it takes you? I was never motivated to do that based upon my previous professional experience. I had enough of management, and I couldn't imagine being in that hot seat in law enforcement, to be right. honest with you. I, right. I would have accepted it, but I just didn't want to do it. I, I My life was being fulfilled in my role mm-hmm. uh, of being in uniform, being a public uh, informational officer, mm-hmm. and serving the citizens of Fort Wayne, which was indeed a highlight in my career. There's mm-hmm. no greater city. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had a lot of fun with it. I love it. You enjoyed every bit of it. Being... I miss it. <laughs> so would you go back? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would highly encourage and recommend uh, college students, uh, teenagers to look in the direction of law enforcement, whether local, uh, you know, city, county, the state or federal. <laughs> pursue it it's mm-hmm. it's very rewarding so since you started that uh what would you what would you tell a young person
0: what should they do what should they do in high school and in college what courses or whatever they, what do you think they need to do well give them that need, edge. they
1: need to be uh good communicators so work mm-hmm. on that number one learn to communicate with any and everybody within your community regardless of their religion regardless of their race regardless of their economical uh status within the mm-hmm. community we are all equal okay so once you understand that and you don't put yourself above any other person in your community then you're well on your way to being an effective police officer Mm Make sure that you're getting the grades, following through with all your requirements. Get involved in the community. If there's an opportunity to serve lunch at the, the mission or right. or whatever, mm-hmm. get involved. Because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're social workers, mm-hmm. are we not? Mm-hmm. And good communicators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the advice I give them. Stay clean. Um, hey, look, youthful indiscretion, we have issues at times. We, we make bad decisions. Right. Um, but learn from that bad decision. Mm-hmm. And then uh, seriously consider it as a, as a career. Uh, anybody can do it as long as you have uh, at minimum. I, I think it's a, still a high school diploma. Right. I suspect that'll change in the in the future. Mm-hmm. Most departments are going to at least two years of college. Right. Uh, credits. Do you but, think that's an advantage? <laughs> um. Yes, I do. Because if you go to college, you're being exposed to a, a larger slice of the community the world okay. the population you're you're being introduced to other individuals from outside of your particular community so again it's all part of communicating with different individuals okay and it grows your your level of acceptance of individu- other individuals and their lifestyles mm-hmm.
0: good good i guess I, I never thought about it like that that's why we had you here today <laughs> <laughs> so okay now tell me this story and uh, someone wanted me to ask you this. Is it true that you pretended to be a NBA or a semi-pro basketball player and sign autographs? Is I, that true? Well, and some kid is walking around out there, several kids with an autograph on their poster. There's there's
1: two levels of responses to this. Okay. And I know that the situation or the incident that you're making reference to. First, let me just say that my level of play was at minimum semi-pro Basketball, okay. Wait, a minute. I thought you said you ran track. No, no. I, well, I turned down. Believe it or not, I turned down a scholarship to Butler University to play basketball. I, had, I was a better basketball player than I was track scholarship, uh, oh. track athlete. But okay. they did a better dog and pony show on me. But, okay. So I was a great basketball player. So I felt comfortable sitting there and exchanging some of my uh, experiences with them. But <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, go on. I'm gonna let you finish telling. Well, <laughs> high school was very, very good to okay. me. Okay. Um, so. A lot of fun, and as well you know, I I am a very fun person. I saw an opportunity where they were setting up the uh, table mid court after a Mad Ants game, where the kids then could go and get signatures of the two or three players that came back after their talk after the right. game and get right. autographs. Well, prior to them getting out, uh, I uh, sat down at the seat <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know where I had a pin. I must have had a pin in my yeah. pocket or something, and um, waved them over and signed. I started signing autographs, right, right, right. <laughs> and okay. they looked at me and they looked at the autograph like I don't remember him playing. But <laughs> they, you know, they were happy to get the autograph. So yeah, but you know what? Here again, it goes back to community involvement and opening oh, up oh. all lines of communication. Okay, so that's but what you were doing. Dad, I was that, just you know yeah. Okay.
0: I don't I don't think you stop until I yelled at you. Well, I just happened I to see stop. you. I don't know how many kids went through that line.
1: Well, okay. And then they lost their place in line. <laughs> but they got my autograph. But they so, got your autograph. Yeah, so which is very rare. You know, that's something they should cherish and hold on to because it just might be worth some money. Yeah. <laughs> I will
0: never forget that. I will never forget it, folks. I'm telling you, as I sit there and I watch him do this, I couldn't believe it. I think I had my mouth open for a few minutes. <laughs> but, but
1: can I ask you a question? Okay. Does that surprise you?
0: No, it didn't. No, it did not. It didn't surprise me. I just couldn't believe I was seeing it. You know, if someone told me about it, yes, but I actually got to see it. You know it. what? There's a side of
1: me, and, and a lot of people don't realize it because they only see, you know, the guy on TV. Right, the right, right, site. yeah. I'm a pretty... Uh, funny guy at times and if you yeah. really know me you know that side oh it's yeah. just one of those opportunities i saw and i jumped all over I, I, yeah
0: and uh I, I think you keep talking about a business or the what you were involved in prior to get on the police department that was like locating underground utilities or something what were you doing it
1: was on um, washington dc area back in 1985 was going through what we referred to as a build program uh cable was new to the area cable television and they did not want to string aerial cables throughout the area they wanted to bury them Mm -hmm. well you've already got other utilities in the ground that needed to be protected and when i say protected they needed to be designated or identified by you've seen those flags and spray paints that show the path of the power the gas and Mm -hmm. the water well it was such a large build build program that uh, they the dc utilities in concert with one another, hired uh buyer's engineering company, the company I represented, to, in advance of the utilities, going in the ground to mark the pathway of all of the existing utilities. Mm-hmm, right. Well, that fell directly into my lap. That was my responsibility. We were kind of the the showcase for that. It had never been done at that level before in the country, and we had cities coming in and watching how well it went, and it was extremely successful. hmm So that's what I did for a number of years, and it's very difficult work, believe it or not.
0: Well, for our listeners, I was getting um, some work done at my house, and I called you and asked you, how do I locate these wires underground? Do you have any kind of device for me? You know, thinking you would have something in your garage, you know, that you maybe kept. You had me cut a couple of metal hangers and uh, hold them in my hand, and walk across my yard until those two little metal hangers crossed. That would tell me where the underground wires were at. I going to tell you, I did that. I probably looked silly to my neighbors doing it. And I marked the ground, and they came out and they dug, and thinking that someone professional had done it. And sure enough, they cut the power to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I, and I ended a pan to get it, so it didn't work,
1: Mister. What kind of, you, of hanger did you use? <laughs>
0: it was a metal hanger what it really didn't it, matter was it was it coated okay uncoded? all right because see <laughs> <laughs>
1: because there's certainly different levels of um effect that you get i mean if it's painted then you're not receiving a power okay key. no okay i'm yeah, done I'm but sorry. anyway i had to pay
0: all right and i thought for sure you would come to my house with a piece of equipment well, and, and locate those wires for me underground
1: did you call for locates prior to because that is a law by the way. I, well anyway
0: anyway for those people listening i think i called they were busy that day i had to have it done quickly but no on a on a i'm gonna ask you real quick um Overall, what are you seeing with Fort Wayne Police Department? Doing a great job, good job, could do better. What are you seeing?
1: Um, I like the advances in technology. I think they're bringing to bear a lot of uh, opportunities for the officers that use uh, the technologies that uh, are cutting edge for law enforcement. It helps them them to do the job better. It makes them safer. Uh Uh, It makes their impact much more uh, favorable in the community. Uh, so I like that aspect. Fort Wayne always seems to be on the cutting edge of that. So we're moving in the right direction. Of that. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of uh, good things come through the academy, mm-hmm. uh, exposure to certain areas of the community. Uh, again, getting involved, just to expose. Here's exposed. Here's can I say something? Yeah, you go right ahead. Look, right now with the economy, the state of the economy, it's very difficult to find individuals wanting to be in law enforcement. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the economy is so great. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we're having a hard time. So, um, when we can better offer more attractive um, uh, benefits and aspects of our department, then we're going to capture those individuals that are on the on the cusp of well, do I want to go private industry or do I want to go mm-hmm. government? Mm-hmm. Uh, Part of that, I think, success is with the cutting edge technology. We have a take home car program. We've got a great academy. I think the training is second to none. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the most part, our recruitment process has been very successful. So we work well together overall as a department. Leadership has been second to none. Mm-hmm. I really got to point my, my finger back to uh, Rusty York. Rusty York, really. right did a fantastic job and right. prior to him was neil uh talmage more neil, Moore, uh, neil yeah. Moore. um we've had very effective leadership we've had a mayor's office that's willing to listen to the department and move in the direction that we feel best to move us in mm-hmm. we've got a community that has neighborhood associations that work with us on a daily basis that are kept in the loop we don't do anything without them being part of that equation mm-hmm. So the department recognizes that importance. And so overall we are moving in the right direction. We've continued to do that, but we continue to build on that. And I see a very bright future for the Fort Wayne Police Department. Therefore, I see a, uh, a very positive effect that we will continue to have on our community as we grow. Well, good, good. Yeah, you see,
0: you've seen a lot from your, from your uh, viewpoint. Um, did you miss the streets? Did you oh. miss working on the <clears throat> I, lo- I,
1: I I am not going <laughs> to lie to you. That's I loved working on the streets. Yeah. I thought I was very effective on the streets. I, you know, I um, just loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I would leave the office. Anybody would tell you that. Yeah. They were surprised to hear me on the radio. Mm-hmm. What, was, what, was your, what was your numbers on the radio? Uh, 7-Eleven. 7 I <laughs> there <There's> a big <laughs> slurpee out there doing it. 7-Eleven. So I would always roll the dice, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, folks, again, you listen to Mike Joyner, a retired Fort Wayne police officer. And a fun person to be around, and I tell you, if you catch him on TV or if you happen to catch him at a Mad Hens game, you'll see another side of him. But he is a, a lot of fun to uh, hang out with. Mike, we really appreciate you being here with us today, uh, sharing a little bit of your life. And uh, now you're going – you're retired now, and uh, are you allowed to say what you're doing right now? real quick <clears throat>
1: yeah um I want to know we don't want to know where you're moving to I want to know about that one job you're doing right now I I <laughs> am glad to say that I am working part-time for Allegiant Airlines Uh huh. and I did that years ago back in mm-hmm. 2007 I worked for Delta Airlines and the reason being the travel benefits you know you get to fly free mm-hmm. and uh, my wife and I and the family back then loved to fly and we've flew around the world mm-hmm. and with Cindy and I our goal is to move to Florida right uh, Allegiant flies of Florida <laughs> so <laughs> they she, can drop you off. she continues to work and will be working probably until May she works in the mayor's office um, but I'll be back and forth mm-hmm. and I will use those benefits to my benefit. There you go. Fly for free. So that's yeah. why I do it. You know, sometimes you got to work smarter than harder oh. <laughs> and that's one of those hey, opportunities. But can I go back to uh, yeah, yeah, my intro ahead. about go. myself? Yeah. We were talking about why I wanted to become a police officer. Yeah. Two reasons. Number one, I've always wanted to do it mm-hmm. as a kid. Two things I always wanted to do, you know, no one was to be a cowboy and the other to be a police officer. So I realized quickly into my career that law enforcement probably paid a lot more than being a cowboy. But now that I'm retired and we move to Florida, uh-huh. we're going to buy two horses. I'll ride off into the sunset. There you go. Yippee <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just perfect. Again, hey, Mike, we really appreciate it. Uh, folks, thanks for hanging out with us here today. You can always email us at policepodtalk at gmail.com with any topics you'd like for us to tackle our comments or questions you like to Even uh, ask Mike Joyner, and I can always bring him back on the show and have him talking again. Check us out also on Facebook under Cleveland Jr. Just friend us, and we'll friend you back, and you can see a schedule of uh, upcoming shows. But, uh, again, we'll get with you again next week. And, Mike, again, thank you very much for being here. It's indeed a pleasure and happy holidays to your listeners. All right. All right, thanks. We'll catch you again on Police Pod Talk.